Well, good morning, church. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here today. I'm so excited about what God's doing in and through you, church family. As Pastor Chase said, uh, some of us just returned yesterday from the Amazon jungle, and we were down there for our pastor's conference, and uh, it's amazing what God's doing. I mean, these pastors come from all over. It'll take them five days by canoe to get there, you know, but they are just so excited. Their joy fills the place. They sleep on a big boat. Uh, we have a boat that we uh, own that's where they sleep in hammocks on the boat, and they come up to the conference center, and we do training there in the conference center with them, and so there's probably about 150 of us there, and uh, they are just so excited. We gave away a guitar, and they went crazy. It was awesome, and these are people in their villages. We went and visited some of the villages and passed out food bags, and it's just amazing to see lives being touched and changed. There's one of the pastors saying, hey, the Perouse Rivers, there's 1,500 villages that don't have the gospel, and for us to be able to take the gospel there and kind of strategize about what that looks like. Here's uh, Jocko. He's one of the indigenous pastors and one of the ones in the, I felt like a giant, but anyway, it's like, he's just awesome, man. His joy, he's always so fired up for the Lord. Jason Crockle in our church, who works for Flavor Catering. It's his catering company. He goes down and cooks the food for us. We catch fish and feed these guys, and they love it. There they all are saying hello to you, church, and they are just awesome, and it's amazing, and, and to see these guys. You know, they don't have school buses. They have school boats in the Amazon. So they go to different villages, pick up kids, and take them to school. And uh, it's fun to see the school boats coming. And, and then the last night, we get the opportunity to wash the feet of these uh, incredible men and their wives and just to see lives change. Uh, these guys are the gatekeepers in their villages. Some of their villages will have three or four or 5,000 people, and some will have like 80 families. Uh, but they're the ones who who will tell us, hey, there's special needs kids in our village that need help, and so we can go in and help, or they'll tell us they, these people need food bags, or where they need to build schools. As a church, you know, we've helped start JMI, and we've built 16 schools in different villages in the Amazon, and, and the government says, if you build the school, we'll put a teacher in it. We're like, all right, we'll build a school, you know, and to see these kids having the opportunity to learn and grow. And so church family, thank you. Thank you for pouring in and for investing in them. And somebody said, hey, aren't you tired? You just got back yesterday, you know? And I'm like, no, I'm excited. I love being here. I, I don't like to miss church. I love what God's doing here at Rolling Hills. I just get fired up about it and so excited about it. And so it's great to be back. And also we're in this great series, right, called Come What May. And, and we're studying the Old Testament book of Ruth. And this, this story is so powerful. And it's incredible what God is teaching us through his word as we see this. I mean, this is like one of the greatest love stories of all time. You know, it's better than any Hallmark movie or any chick flick. I mean, you know, it's like right there in the word of God. And you see the emotions and the plot twist and how everything unfolds. And I'll just tell you, today's going to get a little spicy, okay? You know, so just, just a little heads up, right? It's a romance, a romance story. So it's going to go there today. So I just want you to be ready for that in your mind but before we get there, let me kind of recap for you. Because if you missed any in our series so far, let me kind of bring you up to speed where we are. Ruth chapter 1 opens with this guy named Elimelech and his wife Naomi. And they've got two sons. And, and, and there's a famine there in Bethlehem. And so instead of trusting God and saying, okay, well, God will deliver us. God will provide. Elimelech says, hey, let's go to Moab. What? You know, like, let's leave and go to a place where God's not. And so they do. They head over to Moab, and they get there, and, and the two sons marry two Moabite women. And then there's this 10 years of really just tough, dark time. And Naomi loses her husband. Elimelech dies. And so there's Naomi now, and then her two sons die. And so it's just Naomi and these two Moabite daughters-in-law living off in Moab. And, and Naomi goes, you know what? I want to be back with God. 
I want to be back in the promised land. I want to be back with him. And, and so she says, girls, I'm going back. And one of them says, well, I'm staying in Moab with a little G, God's. And the other one, Ruth, makes this declaration. Hey, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. And your people will be my people. And I love what she says. Your God will be my God. Big G, capital G, the God of Israel. And she's making a defining moment in Ruth's life. I'm following the God of Israel. I'm following him. And so Ruth and Naomi, they go back to Bethlehem. And chapter one ends with Ruth and Naomi standing in the town square, everybody coming out because Ruth is back. And she's brought a Moabite with her, you know, a foreigner. And they're just standing there. They're scared. They're afraid. They have no husbands. They have no sons, no protection. And they're right there. But chapter one ends with this. And the barley harvest was just beginning. There's hope. See, where there is God, there's hope. There's something that God is doing that's something that God's birthing that's gonna be new. Chapter two, last week, T did a great job. If you missed it, go back and watch it. He did a great job talking about what unfolds in chapter two. And in chapter two, you know, Ruth comes there and says, okay, I gotta get to work. You know, we gotta feed, we gotta take care of each other, so I'm gonna take care of you, Naomi. And she goes out into the harvest fields and starts, you know, picking up the scraps. God, in his sovereignty and in his economy, he told the people, when you come into the promised land, I'm going to give you lands. I'm going to give you vineyards. Hey, don't harvest all the way to the edges of your field. Leave that for the poor, the forgotten. God's making sure everybody's taken care of. And so Ruth goes out, and she's picking up scraps and taking it back and so her and Naomi can eat. And Boaz, who's the owner of the property where she's gleaning this, he notices and he says, hey, there's something special about her. Look at her. She's taking care of her mother-in-law, you know? She's, she's got character. She's got integrity. And he watches and he says to the guys, hey, take care of her. Make sure she's okay. You know, make sure that, you know, she's protected. Because she was pretty vulnerable right there. Make sure she's protected. And then it ends in Ruth chapter 2 with mother-in-law, daughter-in-law living together there in Bethlehem and just praying, you know, God, take care of us. We're putting our faith and our trust in you. And then today... We come to chapter three, and the heat gets turned up a little bit, so I hope you're ready for this today because it's an incredible truth and an incredible God that we serve. So pull your Bible out with me, and let's get to work. Ruth chapter three, if you don't have a Bible, there's some uh, Bibles in the back. Love to give you one. You can write in it, mark in it, underline in it. Uh, it is so good for you and for me to have God's word, and then also we'll put the scripture on the screen. But Ruth is toward the front. Right, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. Then you go to Joshua as they come in and conquer the land and then Judges and then Ruth. So Ruth chapter three, pick up here. It says, one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. So Naomi realizes, hey, I'm getting older. What's gonna happen to Ruth? She's taking care of us. She's doing, doing all this stuff. But I've got to make sure you're taken care of too. So now Boaz, who's, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing the barley on the threshing floor. All right, so this is months later, right? Chapter one, the barley harvest is beginning. Now we're at the point where they're harvesting the barley. The months have gone by. But this was a big day, okay? When they would harvest the barley, it was like Super Bowl Sunday, okay? I mean, because everybody's coming out. This is a big deal. This is the harvest time. And winnowing means they take their pitchforks, they throw it up in the air, and the wind blows out the chaff, and there is the 
barley down there and they all collect it and they celebrate and they have a big time and a big day. And so she says, hey, tonight is the big event. Tonight is the big barley harvest. Here's what I want you to do, Ruth. Verse three, wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. So he's like, Ruth, I want you to look good tonight, girl. You know, I want you to get ready. Take a bath. That's important. You know, put on some perfume. That helps, right? And you get dressed in your best clothes. Now, now what's really important here to kind of see is, is this, is that what she's really saying is it's time to move forward. You know, Ruth, you've been wearing the morning clothes. You've been in grief. And, and yet, you know, all this happened in the past. And there's a time to grieve, but there's also a time to move forward. And, and this is your time. And Naomi's speaking to Ruth and saying, okay, I want you to put on your best. I want you to look your best. We're going to go for it. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. So Naomi's a little schemer, isn't she? She's like, okay, you know, this is it. This is the time. I want you to go down there, but I want you to wait till he's finished eating and drinking. And Naomi knows, you know, the way to a man's heart's through his stomach. And so she's like, make sure he's eating a lot, you know, and he's drinking. This doesn't mean he's drunk, but they would always have festivities. It was a big party, a big celebration. And when he's in good spirits, when he's feeling good, when he lies down, note the place where he's lying. You know, she's like, okay, before I tell you the next thing, be sure you know it's him. Okay, this is important, right? You know, make sure you know where he's lying, that you go to the right guy, and don't go to the wrong guy. That'll be really awkward, okay? But know where he is lying, and then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. Whoa. You know, I mean, like, you're like, do what now? Like, go and uncover his feet and lie down. Yeah, I'm sure he'll tell me what to do, right? It's like, what are you talking about? Like, I, you know, this is kind of like, whoa. And if you were kind of hearing this for the first time, I mean, there for the Hebrews would be like a lot of sexual overtones. You're like, what is Naomi saying? I mean, what is she doing? And how's Ruth going to respond? In verse five, Ruth says, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And notice her mother-in-law wasn't telling mother-in-law was just saying, hey, you just lie down at the feet, okay? And, and, and stop right there. But, but man, she's putting herself out there, I'm telling you guys. I mean, the threshing floor, I mean, it was a big party celebration, you know, and, and people were like going crazy. And, and this would be a place a lot of times where prostitutes would come. And so you can imagine Ruth kind of slipping around and, and waiting and watching. And when Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. So remember, Boaz owns the whole field. He's the big guy. He's the big boss. So right, he's got everybody there. They're all like getting worn out and tired from the party and the harvest. And he goes over kind of off by himself. And it says that he laid down right there at the end of the grain pile. And Ruth approached quietly. Can you imagine? I mean, her heart's beating out of her chest. You know, it's dark. It's night. And she's kind of creeping along there. And and she comes up, and it says that he, she uncovered his feet and lay down. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, right? I mean, in the middle of the night, right, as you pulled the covers off, maybe a wind blew or something. But he turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet, exclamation point. You know, because that was a big deal, right? There's an exclamation point right there. It's like, this doesn't just happen, right? I mean, here he is, like, laying there, and all of a sudden, there's a woman lying at his feet, in verse 9, who are you, he asked. 
Then we don't know if that was like a, who are you? Like scared, or if that was like, who are you? You know, it's like, like, how did he answer that? But he's like, who are you? He asked. And she said, I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Now remember, Naomi's game plan was this. You just lie down at his feet, right? And, and he'll tell you what to do. But Ruth kind of goes, okay, I'm gonna take this a step further. Here we go. I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. Guys, that's like saying, you know, hey, you get the corner of the garment, cover me. You, you provide for me, you redeem. That's like saying, hey, will you marry me? I mean, that's exactly what she's saying. You know, she just goes after her. I mean, she's like, I'm all in right here. Okay. Will you marry me? You, you are Boaz. I know you're older. I know you're an Israelite. I know you're wealthy. I, I know you're handsome. But, but me, a Moabite woman, what about it? And then you imagine, she's just like, what have I done? You know, I just blurted that out. I don't even know. And she's scared to death. In verse 10, it says, the Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. He's like, you could have gone after any guy. You could have just been out there and doing whatever you wanted to with any guy, but, but you didn't. You were patient. You took care of your mother-in-law. You did the right thing. You were here. And, and now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. Yes. You know, it's like, yes, this is awesome. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Don't you love that? Boaz is like, I've been watching you. And I feel the same way. And everybody knows you're a woman of noble character. You're, you're amazing. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. What? No, wait, 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 wait. Okay, this is like the part of the Hallmark movie, the chick flick, right? When they're like falling in love and they're about to kiss and then all of a sudden the old boyfriend walks in. It's like, wait, 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 no, no, no. You know, it's like, what's going on? What do you mean there's somebody else? I mean, this is you. You, you take care of me. And he's like, no, no, no. I'm a person of character too. This is the way it works. But stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. And you're like, what do you mean good? But see, Boaz wants to make sure she's taken care of. He wants to be sure that she's provided for. <laughs> Let him redeem you. But... If he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. I love that. Man, I'm here for you, Ruth. I care about you. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He's like, Ruth, get up early and you go back. I don't want to tarnish your reputation. Nothing happened here, I know, but, but listen, there's going to be people who are going to think that and, and I just want to be a person of integrity here. And he also said, bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. And when she did so, he poured into it, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. And then he went back to town. Guys, six measures of barley, a lot of commentators believe that's like 30 pounds of barley. Like she brings her shawl out, and he just starts pouring barley. Like, I care about you. I love you. He's just pouring all of this in, all of this barley. And then he puts it on her, right? So she's carrying this thing in this bag. And it says, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Okay, that's like the biggest understatement in all the Bible, Right? 
Could you know Naomi's like staying up the whole time? I mean, she's like, oh, everything's going well. You know, I don't know if I did the right thing. And, you know, how's Ruth? This was back before they had texting, you know, where you could get a play-by-play. And Ruth's like, hey, I'm, it's going good. I'm right here right now. I'm going for the feet. Pray right now, you know. So I, I mean, you know, there wasn't any play-by-play update happening, like when moms and daughters day, right? You know, it was like she's coming back, and Naomi's been staying up all night. And she's watching, and she sees her, and she's got this whole bag coming with her, and she's like, how did it go? How did it go? And then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Now, I want you to kind of underline that empty-handed, kind of put it mental note or in your mind or your heart, and think about that, because we're going to come back to that in a minute. And then Naomi said, wait, my daughter. Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. And then chapter three ends. Ah, we don't know. You gotta come back next week, okay? Next week, we'll get into chapter four and you'll find out uh, what happens there. But there's this moment, right? It just ends with Naomi and Ruth huddled together and wondering, you know, what is Boaz gonna do? And does he really love me? Is he gonna be there for me. But here's some things I want you to see today. I mean, some just amazing life truths for us out of here, out of chapter three. So if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Number one is this. Put yourself around the right people. Put yourself around the right people. You know, I love verse one where Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, says, my daughter, I must find a home for you or be provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. She's like, hey, you can go out to any field, but I want you to go toward Boaz. <laughs> and he's like, put yourself in the right place. Naomi, Naomi. Naomi did a great job encouraging Ruth to be around Boaz. And I think that's so important for us. Who are you putting yourself around? I mean, if you want to grow spiritually, be around people who want to grow spiritually. Right? If you want a godly man or a godly woman, be around godly men and godly women. Don't spend time dating jokers. Don't spend time on guys that aren't even potential for you to marry. Don't waste it. Be around godly men or godly women. And I think so often, man, we just like, well, you know, I want to have a date because I don't want to sit at home alone, so I'm just going to go out with this guy. It doesn't really matter. You know, it does matter. And after a while, you give your heart away. And after a while, you start seeing this thing go down the wrong direction. You're like, why did I even start down this path? Put yourself around the right people. Here's the fact. You are known by the company you keep. You're known by the company you keep. Proverbs 13, 20. And it says this, walk with the wise and you become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with the wise, you become wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. So are the people around you making you bitter or making you better? And you're like, well, it's no big deal. I just started hanging out with these people. And, you know, they did some things I didn't really agree with. But, you know, I was like, it was okay. And then we started going out to this bar and that bar. And the next thing you know, and I was with the, you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are the people around you making you bitter or making you better? Are the people around you making you negative or are they helping you to fall more in love with Jesus? I love my wife. She is amazing and she's such a great mom. She's such a great mom. And my daughters, you know, have, 
elementary school, middle school, and high school, and, and, and we are blessed to have such a great church, and they have so many great friends at church, but there's always kids at school, and, and then, you know, you hear about these stories, and Lisa will be like, well, let me just ask you this. Are, are those people you're talking to at school, are they, are they leading you closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus? Are they helping you know him more and fall in love with him, or are they leading you further away? And that's something we all have to ask ourselves. Well, there's these people at work, and we started hanging out, we started doing this. Here's the thing, God's gift is a kinsman redeemer. And your translation may say guardian redeemer, like this translation, but here's what a kinsman redeemer or guardian redeemer would do. In God's economy, in God's sovereignty, in God's grace, he says, right, you know, I wanna provide for all people, so don't harvest all the way to the edges of your field. Make sure that the poor and the forgotten are taken care of. But the same thing he does with this, because back then, women, if your husband died and you didn't have a son, you were in bad shape. You didn't have anybody to protect you or provide for you. And God said, hey, I'm going to make a law even before that, that there should be a kinsman redeemer. That if, if the wife's husband dies, then the brother steps in and provides for that wife and for her family. He becomes that redeemer. And, and, but what if the husband doesn't have a brother? Okay, that's fine. The next would be the uncle. Then the next would be the nephew. Then the next would be the cousin. But God's saying, I want to make sure that women are protected and provided for back here in this time. And we all need a kinsman redeemer. And so God says, I'm going to take care of you. How beautiful. And you look at Boaz and Naomi knew, hey, he's a relative of ours. He could be this kinsman redeemer. Here's the second thing. Have godly mentors in your life. Have godly mentors in your life. I mean, Naomi, you know, comes up with this whole idea, right? Wash and put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes and go down to the threshing floor and just lay there at his feet. In our lives, you kind of wonder, like, wow, that, that would be kind of crazy, Naomi. But, but Naomi has this plan and Ruth listens to Naomi. Sometimes in our lives, We'll be like, oh, that's my father-in-law or my mother-in-law. What, what do they know, you know? Or my parents, you know? I mean, I know more than they do. I'm in high school, you know? I'm like, yeah. I mean, at some point, you know, like, who are you listening to in life? Who are you listening to in your life? Because we're all listening to somebody. We're either listening to the media. We're either listening to what culture says and says how we should act or how we should look or what we should wear or who we should go out with or we should, what we should do on dates, you know? Or we're listening to some godly people in our life. So who are you listening to? Because you're listening to somebody. I remember when we were meeting in the movie theater and a, a woman in our church named Sandria, she, she said, Jeff, I'm praying for us to have a building because I want us to do mom to mom. I was like, well, what's mom to mom? She goes, I just think that there's these younger moms who need, who need older or more experienced, sorry, not older, right? More experienced moms in their life to pour into them. And she said, I just needed that when I was younger. And what if we could do this? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's Titus too. You know, let's do it. And now mom to mom in our church is amazing. And, and these more experienced moms pouring into these younger moms. And, and they're going, yes, I need this wisdom. I need this in my life. Who are you listening to? I have a good friend. And a few years ago, he was we were together and he was reading GQ. And I was like, well, why are you reading GQ? And he's like, well, where else am I supposed to find out about men issues? You know, the church doesn't talk about issues for men. And I'm like, you're right, we don't. And we should. 
So we started Men's Leadership Network. We do a monthly podcast. It's just men issues. You know, how to be a godly husband or a godly father or how do you balance work and life, you know, and family and how do, you, how do you do these things? There's things that men deal with, you know, the death of a father, a father's womb. And we just say once a month, we're gonna talk about these things, but who are you listening to? I mean, go online, go to mensleadershipnetwork.com or go to some place and say, I want godly wisdom in my life. And Ruth, listen to Naomi. Ruth could have said, you don't know what you're talking about. This is crazy. I'm not even gonna do this. But she trusted. Here's the next one. It's this. Be a person of noble character. You know, Ruth comes and she lays down there at his feet. And then I love what Boaz says. He says, and now my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character. All the people see that in you. All the people see who you are and your character and your integrity, the way you take care of Naomi, the way that you work hard to provide. Oh, I'm so thankful for all the women here of women of noble character. You make such an impact, it's such a difference. And Ruth was that. It says in Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31 is just an incredible chapter about godly women. And I love where it says this in Proverbs 31. It says, a wife of noble character, who can find? She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Hey, men, your wife being a woman of noble character means you lack nothing of value. You honor her. You be thankful for her. You appreciate her. You know, Ruth could have come in there and said, you know what? Naomi, this is dumb. I know the way to a man's heart. I'm gonna make it happen. But she didn't. She didn't force herself on him. She waited patiently. You know, here's the thing too. Boaz is also a man of noble character. The scriptures tell us that over and over. Boaz was older, he was good looking, he was sharp, he was smart, but he was a man of character. Everywhere he spoke, the Lord bless you, the Lord bless you. Boaz, Boaz could have easily taken advantage of her. I mean, she's lying right there at his feet. I mean, what happens on the threshing floor? But Boaz, do I don't want just a one-night stand. And nobody does. Boaz said, I'm gonna be a person of character. And then Boaz even says, hey, wait, I want to so bad. You are beautiful. You're, oh. But listen, there's a, there may be another one, and I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna do the right thing. Guys, here's the thing. Character is built. Character is built in the little everyday decisions of life. Character is built in the little everyday decisions of life. Character is built by what you put in your mind and into your heart. And so often we want to be people of character on the outside where everybody's watching, but, but character is really built in you when no one's watching. Character is who you are when no one is watching. And if Boaz had been putting bad thoughts in his mind, then man, he may have just gone to a place he shouldn't have gone. But you know, Boaz was, no, I'm going to do it right way. I'm going to do it God's way. And I want to tell you, if you're here today and you're in the middle of an affair physically or emotionally, I'm telling you, stop. And you may think nobody knows about it. Yes, God does. 
You be a person of character. You be a person of integrity. Hey, if you're here today and listen, you know, you think, man, I got this pornography thing and nobody knows about it. Listen, you're putting that stuff in your head. And it erodes your capacity for intimacy. In your marriage now or in your future marriage one day, you got to guard what goes into here. It's the little things. It's who you are when nobody's watching, what goes in your mind, what goes in your heart. Because the fact is this, the goal is real love. That's what we want. We want real love. And the world tries to sell a cheap imitation. The world says, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's a one-night stand. It's no big deal. It is a big deal. That's why God created sex. Sex is fantastic in the confines of marriage. It's awesome between a man and a woman. It's beautiful. But when we take it outside of that, it erodes our capacity for intimacy. Ruth wants real love, and so do we. Wants real love. Wants somebody to cherish her. Wants intimacy. And so do we. Don't settle for something that's cheap. There's a big difference between love and lust. Lust is, I must have it now. That's what lust is. Love is patient. You know what? Lust is, what can you do for me? Love is, what can I do for you? We want love, man. We want love. In our marriage, our future marriage, we, we want to be people who love well. And love is patient. And love is a commitment. And it's a sacrifice that we make. Are you willing to wait for God's best? Don't settle. Don't settle for something that the world would offer. Don't settle for it. Well, he's okay. I mean, I know he's not a believer, but, but, you know, it's fine. Maybe one day he'll figure that out. No, 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 stop. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose. Hold on to him. Find a man or a woman of commitment, of sacrifice, who wants to put God first and wants to love you. And Ruth was like, that's what I want. And Boaz was like, that's what I want. And that's what we want. This is the last one is this, allow God to be your provider and your protector. You know, when Ruth made that declaration, right? Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. When she made that declaration in Ruth chapter one, she had her defining moment. God, I'm gonna follow you, the God of Israel. I'm gonna follow you. You're gonna be my provider. You're gonna be my protector. Come what may. I'm going to Bethlehem. I don't know how this is gonna go down. I don't have any friends, I don't have any relatives, but, but I'm following you, God, because I know you have a plan and I know you have a purpose and I'm gonna trust you with my whole life. Ruth made a commitment. Ruth made a commitment to God and God provided for her. God provided in ways that she could have never even imagined. I love this. Naomi and Ruth came to Bethlehem. If you go back to Ruth chapter one, remember they're standing in the square and Naomi says, I went away full, but I came back empty. And can you imagine when God gives them more than they can imagine? Can you imagine when she comes back with 30 pounds of barley and goes, check this out. Naomi, we were eating scraps. We were just trying to get by. Look what God has done. We've been faithful. We've just been holding on to him. We've been patient. Look what God's done. It's so beautiful, the goodness and the grace of God. Here's the thing. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. 
Jesus is our guardian, redeemer. Jesus is the joy of our hearts, the love of our lives. When we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, God made us alive in Christ. When we couldn't do anything for him, God sent his one and only son for us, and he stepped in to redeem our lives and our hurt and our pain and our brokenness and to make us new. It's the greatest love story of all time. Jesus loves you. He loves you. You know, we were on our uh, time in our Amazon, and a lady, Angela Thomas Farr, Angela Thomas, is, she's a Bible study writer, and she goes with us. She used to be in Nashville. She lives in Greensboro, North Carolina now, but she'll teach the women, and we're over with teaching the men, and we bring them all together for sessions. But Angela and I were talking, and, and she's like, Jeff, I've been loving this series. She's, you know, he kind of watches on, online and podcasts and things. He's like, this whole Ruth thing. She goes, she goes Ruth chapter three. She goes, listen, that's my story. And I said, what do you mean? Tell me, you know, because I didn't know all the details. And she goes, well, you know, 20 years ago, here I was uh, writing Bible studies and speaking. And I have four kids, 10 and under. I thought I had a great husband and one day he walks in and just says, I'm done, I'm out. I don't want to be married to you anymore. I don't want this life. I'm gone. Here's divorce papers. She said, I'm just sitting there looking like, what just happened? And he walks out. And I'm looking at my life thinking, God, <laughs> I need you more than I've ever needed you in my life, and I'm going to hold on to you. For the next seven years, I'm a mom, a single mom, trying to raise four kids. I'm staying up at night. I got my real estate license. I'm selling, you know, properties, and I'm writing these studies. I'm trying to speak. I'm trying to do everything to provide for my kids for seven years. And I always thought, you know, what man's going to want me with four kids? Until 11 years ago. And I met a guy named Scott. And Scott was more than I could have ever imagined. He was living in Greensboro and some friends introduced us and he was in his 40s, never been married, running a company there. And I just fell in love. She said, I'll never forget 11 years ago when we were standing in the tent at our wedding and I'm there and he's making our commitments and the pastor's talking and we're holding hands and we made our vows to one another and and then we put rings on our finger. And then the pastor says, wait. Scott has one more thing he wants to say. And Scott turned around to my kids and said, hey, I love your mom. And right now I'm making a commitment to her. And I'm going to love her all the days of my life. But right here I'm making a commitment to you too. And I'll be your provider. And I'll be your protector. And I'm going to love you kids. And I'm making a commitment to her. But I want you to know how much I love you. And I'm making a vow to you today. Guys, that's what Jesus does. He comes to us and he just says, I want to redeem you and restore you. And everything is covered, right? It was Ruth, it was Naomi, it was everything in their family and all the decisions that are past. And Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to take it all. I'm going to take the good, I'm going to take the brokenness, I'm going to take the hurt, I'm going to take the pain, I'm going to take it all, I'm going to redeem it all and use it for my glory. I'm going to do things in your life you can't even imagine, but it starts with me. And I love you. 
and I'm making a commitment to you, will you make a commitment to me? I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are in your relationship with the Lord, but I'm gonna tell you there's a God who loves you more than you could ever dream or ever imagine. Would you have the courage, the boldness today to come to him? Would you just give your life wholly, completely to him? Say, you're my provider, you're my protector, you're my redeemer, you're my restorer. Come what may, I'm yours. Maybe today is the day when you just say, all right, it's time. It's time for me to move forward in him. It's time for me to make a statement of faith or make a statement of baptism or make a statement of commitment, but I'm going forward and doing things the way God's called me to. I'm gonna be the man or woman after God's heart all the days of my life. God, I'm yours. I wanna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Is Jesus your kinsman redeemer? Has there come a time when you've just said, yes, Lord, I receive your grace, your mercy, your love. Forgive me my sins. Redeem me, restore me, I'm yours. That's where it starts. I want to follow you with my whole heart, my whole life. Maybe today God's speaking to you. Maybe today is a time of salvation. Maybe today is a time of commitment. There's been something God's been speaking to you about. You've been scared. Would you trust him? Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's joining the church. Maybe it's being in a Bible study or going on a mission trip. I don't know. Maybe today, would you evaluate where you are relationally? To be thankful for, for your wife. As a woman of noble character, would you cherish her? Would you bless her? Or maybe for your husband, who's your Boaz. He's <laughs> not perfect, but man, he loves you. Maybe today, it's, there's an area of your life where you're settling for something that's not God's best. And then today, it's like, God, I don't want to settle. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to wait for a godly man or a godly woman. I'm going to do it right. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples today. Lord, we need you. Oh, God, we need you. And Father, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Temptation's lurking, and I pray you would give us the boldness and the character to say no to ungodliness and to say yes to the things of God. I pray today, Father, that we would understand your grace and your mercy and your love. And I pray today, Father, we would put a stake in the ground and say you, you will always love me and I'm gonna follow you come what may. So Jesus, we dedicate our lives to you today anew and afresh. And it's in the beautiful name of Jesus we pray. Amen, amen. After the service, there'll be people up here, there'll be some of our A6 men and their spouses. If you wanna talk with somebody, you wanna pray with somebody, that's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Whatever is going on in your life, listen, you're not alone. You're not alone. There's a God who's with you and for you, and there's a church that wants to walk with you as well. At this time, I wanna invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in God's kingdom and for God's glory, you know? Don't harvest all the way to the edges of your field. You know, don't spend it all. <laughs> Give back. Be generous. 
and make a difference in the lives of others. And that's the opportunity we have. Also, if you're a first-time guest, it's a chance for us to, to hear from you. You can write down on your communication card. Also, if you want to make a decision, you could write that and place it in the offering basket. Uh, and if you have a prayer request, drop that in as well. So let me say a short prayer for us. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace and mercy and love and the hope we have in Christ. And thank you for a chance to give back, take what is given and bless it, multiply it and use it, God, to further your kingdom, whether in the Amazon or Moldova with orphans or whether people right here in our community, Father. We want to be generous. In the name of Jesus, we pray and we give. Amen. Amen.